Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. It's the week of the spring game, so we're not going to waste any time belaboring the point. We'll get right into it on this latest edition of the Blitz. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of another presentation. You can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. Or since I've had some other stuff get in the way, maybe early Wednesday morning. But nevertheless, you get the blitz whenever it drops. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Did your NBA Summer League research pay off? Uh, you know, basically where <laughs> NBA teams are playing G League games at the uh, end of the regular season? This year, I wouldn't say pay off as in I didn't profit big, but it allowed me to not lose a lot of money, Where'd which is very big difference. Yeah. So, same thing. That's I almost think that's a philosophy in, da- in daily fantasy. For hey, sure. If you're, not, if losing, not losing, you're winning. Keep your money. Uh, a man who knows something about keeping his money, uh, he knows about uh, – he can do daily fantasy. He can talk – pop culture, whatever you want to talk about, he can talk about anything because he's a renaissance man, wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie each and every weekday with Mike Harge Shout out. from 3 to 7. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate it as always. Let's talk no spring question. game, gentlemen. Let's uh, do it, Let's man. get right into it. Rod, I want to start with this. Uh, you, you've you played in some of these. Oh, yeah. You've seen enough of them. I remember. I think between the three of us, we've seen our fair share of spring games by this point. Almost two decades worth at this point. Yes. Picture. Yeah, we have. Uh, and in the case of you, Rod, it's been, it's been more than that. Cause mm-hmm. I'm an old man. It was still the... Uh, no, because you got there in 99, so 2000 was your first spring game. I was going to try to date you more than you are, but yeah, I, I apologize. It's off by a year or so. Uh, at any rate, we've learned that we can take a few things, like there are tangible things we can take away from a spring game. There are some things that, okay, that's, that the spring game, we'll leave it there. But, Rod, other than personnel, and we'll talk personnel on the show today, other than personnel, what are the things that you look for? In a spring game, and I'm not talking maybe about this year specifically, but anytime you sit down, you're going to watch the spring game, and we know you're you're going to sit down and you're going to rewatch it. You're going to rewatch it probably five, six times. But when you sit down and really dive into that first rewatch, what are you watching? Um, well, it depends on what perspective you're coming from. If you're a coach, you just want to see a clean game, injury free, of course. Yes, not going to with everything. Well, injury free, but you want to see a clean game. So you want to see guys being able to operate. The in within the structure of the offense, that they know everything about the offense. You wouldn't like it to be clunky, and you don't want it to look like, um, you know, for some reason that there's confusion about assignments and about where guys are supposed to be. Uh, so you want to make sure that stuff is clean right. on both sides of the ball. You like it to be a crisp spring game. Mm-hmm. Get the call in. Get it, get it set, get lined up, boom, let's go. Yeah. And then no injuries. I think all across the board, that's every coach's dream for the spring game. Sark said that too. Clean game is what he yeah, said. Yeah, exactly, right? You just want it to be a clean, kind of crisp game because that means it's not, if it's sloppy, that, ugh, ugh. 
that's your presentation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a presentation to the fans that first time that they get to see the team, and you don't want a sloppy no. presentation. Um, so it is kind of a first impression of what the new team is going to be. So you just want it to be a clean, crisp game. Well, no injuries. And I'll say for Texas this year, I mean, the, the passing game is going to be what everybody looks at and how clean yeah. and crisp the passing game is, and it goes back to Quinn Ewers and his development. And so I think that's number one for, for me that's going to be. And then I'm looking at the O-line. I mean, I think the O-line, we had a, a spring game here a couple of years ago where – Sark didn't even have a full complement of offensive linemen on the roster to be able to conduct a spring game. And now he's got, hell, that may be one of the strengths of the team. We're hoping. And so how they hold up in the passing game, I think it's going to be key. Will they have time for protection? Are we talking about quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game going to be the emphasis? Or will Sark have time to connect on the deep ball, which he likes? So in connecting to the passing game, and the offensive line, you want to see them stretch the football downfield. Yeah. Well, from what I've heard, though, the defense has won the spring. So yeah. don't be surprised if the defense wins the spring game and then, you know, we're sitting here talking about, once again, okay, how's the passing game going to evolve? I think for me, in, in the simplest form for any spring game, and, and even this one, uh, I know it sounds very rudimentary, but you can get a really good idea of a team's fundamental baseline in the spring game. And what am I talking about when I say fundamental baseline? Can you block and can you tackle? Yep. How are you how how, how are you as a blocking team and then how are you as a tackling team? Because there's plenty of guys. I mean, Xavier Worthy gets the ball in his hands in space, but if you can bring that guy down, you can probably do it most of, if not all of the 12 games against anybody on your schedule. Likewise, man, if you can uh, you know, if you if you're an edge guy and, and you can beat Kelvin Banks off the edge and get a sack, we'll use that term in quotation marks for the spring game. You could probably do that against most tackles on your schedule, if not all tackles on your schedule. So I'm just looking at just those basic fundamental things that, and, and I think that too can lead you to okay, if this guy's just winning one on one matchups, and if somebody's winning them at a high clip against your better personnel, that tells you okay, that's probably a guy you're going to be able to depend on. And maybe those are some faces that, okay, we figured you could depend on that guy. Maybe it's some guys that, oh, well, that guy, I didn't see much of him last year, but maybe it's a, a Justice Finkley or an Ethan Burke or whoever it is. Just kind of get an idea for me of those, the fundamental baseline. Is there anybody that went by virtue of winning some of those one-on-one battles that you think, okay, that could be a guy that you depend on that maybe we weren't thinking about? Yeah, I mean, uh, I it's hard to tell that. You know, in terms of a guy, especially like just you brought up the sack thing, right? Yeah. They're not gonna, we're not gonna be able to tell if a guy's gonna get sacked. I can tell right. that right be now. Be a whistle when he's exactly. nearby. Yeah. The way, way that you <laughs> talked about, y'all loved whenever Vy yeah, would man. get the whistle by him because you're like, hey, we get sacked. Yeah, you know, pre- a pressure is gonna be basically kind of a sack. And Texas was great at pressures last year. They'll be good at getting pressures this year. Hence why that, the defense may yes. be an advantage too. Exactly. So that's not always. So you won't be able to see that necessarily right. all the time. So some things you're gonna. And I doubt that. You know, they're going to – I mean, sometimes – hell, sometimes Mac would even try to blow whistles before guys even got to the ground. Yeah, wrap-up style. Yeah, yeah, it was well, just basically – you had a good wrap-up. So I don't know how physical they want to get in the spring game either. And yeah. that's one thing that I was thinking when you brought that up, Jeff, just because I know that practices nowadays you definitely don't take to yeah. the ground the way you used to. So if you are able to attack in those scenarios in the spring game, if you are a good tackling team – then that would be a sign that you're not actually they this team must just instinctively be good at tackling because you really don't get that type of practice or you know practice the way that also Mike Brown caught it called it an epidemic and may have been onto something a bit <laughs> to that situation because modern football is like that but the one on one point's great Jeff because I think that like especially the way it sounds like Sark's going to set up this game if it's going to be him drafting two teams apart. I really don't even think, are we going to even see the offensive line together? It sounds as if it's going to be broken up. So the idea of it being a cohesive unit, that's Mm -hmm. what we're going to hope to see. But in the spring game, this might not even be the depiction of the Texas football team that you're going to see because he's putting on a show for the spring game for the fans to have two teams against each other, unlike in years past when you didn't even have the depth and you would just put out a group of players together just to make that offensive line work, but they were going for both sides or flipping over back and forth. So this will be more of a show for fans, which is why 
the idea of what how's a specific player performing will be most key. It won't be necessarily the groups and units that you're going to be used to seeing, say, your starting D-line, your starting O-line. Those are probably going to be split up. But if this player is standing out against his opponent, you have this way probably more ones-on-ones, though, on both sides of the ball instead of being a direct one-on-two. So in the one-on-one aspect of it, yeah, if a guy flashes, you're going to be able to tell. I think you will see them be physical because if this is one of those practices where you, you know, one of your practices where you can tackle to the ground in the spring game, mm-hmm. you can't waste those. You yeah. only get you only get a certain number of those. Have fun. So, yeah. So you can't you can't waste them. Um, as far as you know, Rod, we, we we've done this and you've done a great job of this the last few spring games. Just kind of taking, you know, a little nugget here or there, whether it's a personnel grouping, whether it's a formation, even on defense, you might see maybe coverage we haven't seen. Well, is there one wrinkle that you really want to see? Like we're not gonna look. Anybody that's going to go to the stadium on Saturday expecting to see just the entire Sark playbook open? No. Expect to see PK. You're not you going to see any of that. Borrow Manny Diaz term, guys dropping out of helicopters on blitzes. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see any of that stuff. No. But is there is there a wrinkle, something, position, group, or player-specific, Rod, that you at least just want to get a little taste of? Um, yeah, I mean, I would like to see if Sark's – um, usage of two tailback sets was just something that was specific to the roster last year because you had Rojo and Bijan, mm-hmm. two best tailback uh, combo in the country, potentially. Or is it something now that is a part of your arsenal, just something that you can use regularly? Like, And to me, it should be because, first of all, you're trying to recruit a ton of high-level running backs, uh, and Tashara Choice is really good at that. And one of the ways I think that you could – you know, and influence those guys to come to Texas is that, hey, man, we play a lot of running backs. We play two tailback sets. We don't just have one workhorse running back. We play you guys in the same backfield, in the same personnel package at the same time. I think that is a very attractive pitch yeah. when you're trying to, you know, get a lot of high-level running backs to come to Texas. So I think that, obviously, that's not the only reason to do it. I think, I mean, it was your most explosive and your best personnel package last season now of course Bijan and Rojo helps that um but it I think it was a lot of it was that you know you had Brendan Marion here who was obviously the go-go offense and part of the go-go offense was two tailback sets west coast passing game with a triple option running game I'm sure Sark took a lot of those concepts and can now utilize them so I do and, and my, by the way in the bowl game when no Rojo played no Bijan not one two tailback set no right. 20 personnel no 21 personnel and that was your most successful package last year personnel wise and it was just interesting that he didn't play any of it now he said he would but then we found out later we had some injuries in the backfield so I get why he may not have done it uh, but either way I, I want to see maybe he'll throw it out there and then that goes to a guy like Savion Red right and how you use Savion Red be really interesting to see if he dives into some positionless football you know uh, just some some type of positionless football philosophy whether it be uh concepts of moving guys around like he put you know Xavier Worthy in the backfield or going more empty sets depending on the personnel uses that you have uh trying to get guys in matchup advantages yeah. by using what are kind of unorthodox personnel groupings or using unorthodox ways to utilize personnel like a guy like Xavier Red who can play multiple positions or Jay Witt yeah. for that matter too yeah and that's why like this spring game, again, I think with being the two teams, like if you're already probably not going to have Keelan Robinson, then you have don't have those two from previously before, Bijan and Rojo. It's going to be really hard to even have the bodies to be able to do two-back sets to where it may not be indicative. Maybe they will want to in, the, in August and in the fall. But like just because of the depth that you have on the current roster, you may not be able to. And it's also why you always hear you don't really tip things like say maybe they would be looking into being more positionless and motioning guys like Whittington into the backfield this year because you don't have the backs you used to have. It's probably not something you're going to show in the spring game. So this will be one where it will be interesting to see. But it's also if we don't see it doesn't mean it may not be there in the fall. Yeah, um, that's, you know, Sark has talked a lot in the last couple of weeks. I know part of it was because he was here for the clinic, but, you know, how much time he spent with Kyle Shanahan and how mm-hmm. you can pick apart certainly how much there. And by the way, mark your Kyle Shanahan spot on your Longhorn Blitz bingo card. Um, <laughs> how much, you know, they've kind of vibed together. You, you can break that down, how, what, where their offenses are similar and where they're different. But to the positionless thing, Rod, like we've talked about that a lot since – 
the start of the new year in the off season. And that's even if it's just that small tweak of just how you, you know, making multi-back sets a part of your offense, making it something to borrow Sark's parlance, making it something that you major in Mm -hmm. that is now part of your offense. I hope that's something that he sits down and talks with Kyle Shanahan about. Be like, hey, how you know my scheme. Like, how can I take this, what you do so well, and incorporate it with what I do? I'm sure he's already done it. Yeah, I mean, we know he's already done it, right? That's Following. my hope is that is that he's yeah. serious about. But that I, like I said, I didn't know if last year's the up, you know, him upping the usage of two tailback sets. And I think last year they were close to around sixteen percent, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Upping the usage of it was just based on you just had two, you know, elite talents there. Yeah. You had one kind of generational, transcendent talent in Bijan, and another guy Rojo was also going to end up getting drafted in the same draft. And, hey, man, you know what? You build your offensive identity around who your best players are. And that's my best players. And, you know, what do I always say? Like, hey, man, first thing a coach to do is look at who your best 11 guys are and go, all right, how do I just keep those guys on the field as much Mm -hmm. as possible? And Sark might have just looked at it and said, all right, I got to have more of those guys. You could argue you should have played more two tailback sets and play enough of that. So I I don't – it's like the mystery to me is because, like, in the the Washington game, in Alamo, none of it. Like you didn't yeah. see any two tailback yeah. sets. Now we know it's because of injuries, but even in this, I mean, you got enough. You got Savion Red, you got CJ Baxter, you got just Jonathan Brooks. I don't know how much Jonathan Brooks is going to play if he does. I, and Sark said today, you, know you I mean? probably don't expect to see much of Keelan Robinson if you see him at all. Okay, yeah, and you got Jaden Blue still throwing back there too. Mm-hmm. So it, it, last year's not like something that you would be trying to hide schematically because you you know you want to surprise teams with the next year. You've already used it a ton. No. You mm-hmm. got a ton of two tailback sets there. Yeah. So that's kind of one thing I'm like, that's pretty obvious. If I don't see any of it, then maybe he is moving away from it because yeah. it just, it's just not a strength go. for them. And that would be, to me, that's unfortunate because I, I was saying that back in the day that Tom Herman should have been running more two tailback sets and because he did have the talent to do it. But if you're going to recruit all these high-level running backs, it just makes sense. Yeah. To, put them, to get them on the field. They're going to be t- some of your best players, period, to get them on the field. And you got a really good running back coach who can teach him how to block and also how you know how to have two of them in the backfield. One of them becomes kind of your de facto fullback in that situation. So for a guy who's been advocating for it for long before Steve Sarkeesian uh, showed up, and then St- had Steve Sarkeesian showed up and loved that the first play, the first series, him calling plays at Texas, he put two tailback sets out there, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I lost. I was like, this guy gets it. This guy, he gets it. He, he understands exactly how to innovate with a, a roster like Texas and look at the personnel and build and construct a system and an offense around that. So, so I, I, I'm not saying that he will be wrong to go away from it, but it would just signify to me or signal that he's at least he's going to go in a different direction. He's looking at the personnel now and saying, now nah, we got to build it differently. And so maybe you'll get a ton of 11 personnel. He'll up the 11 personnel usage. Or you'll get more six O-line packages. So that's something, like I said, that's something I'll look forward to. Because i got to look in the bowl game and see how much of the six O-line package we played. But I don't, there just wasn't a lot of innovation in the bowl game. And I yeah. wonder if he lost his muse. You know what I mean? If he lost Bijan and Rojo and kind of lost some of this creativity. And I think there is some of Sark. He needs a muse. He wants he wants to construct an offense around the golden arm of Quinn Ewers and the route combinations where, yeah, uh, your quarterback can't make these throws, so your DBs don't defend these throws, but my guy can. And he, want, he wants to look at a guy like Xavier Worthy and be able to scheme him open mm-hmm. in certain ways. So he is in my, a lot influenced by his personnel. We know that. And I'm just curious as to what the influence is going to be this yeah. JT Sanders should be the muse. So do we see some funky stuff with JT Sanders moving him around? That's a form of positionless football. But I think just embracing some form of positionless football, will it will lead him down a, a creative path. And I right now I'm worried that, you know, he may not have enough – on a creative, you know, creativity coming from the muses within the offense, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I mean, that, that's my concern a little bit. When, when you, uh, you said what, sixteen percent was their two tailback usage? Last yeah, year? It's, uh, and I pulled via PFF. Like just yeah. if you pull the running back uh, snaps and divide it by plays, it goes up to about eighteen point seven. But that doesn't mm-hmm. count when you motion out okay. into lining mm-hmm. up at wide receiver, and then yeah. there's like the one point. Mm-hmm. 
6% that you had somebody like Jatavian come into the backfield. So when right. you add it all together, about 18.7 when you had two running backs on the field. Okay. Um, maybe when I say major in it, maybe Sark has decided, mm-hmm. and again, this is what I'm hopeful for, because I, I agree with you, Rod. If you're going to recruit, and by the way, they're in on the number one running back in the country for the class of, of 2024, which exactly. is Gibson from Florida. And 18.7 yeah. is a high number. Exactly. If you decide that you know somewhere mm. between 15 to 18% for your usage of two backs, maybe you just decided, hey, that's a sweet spot. And maybe in a year like you know you had last year where I think we all agree they should have used it more, maybe it's on the higher end of that. Or maybe, you know, if a year where maybe you, you like your wide receiver group more, maybe it's closer to right at 15%, or maybe it's like maybe even 14 But that's where you've determined the sweet spot is. If he's determined that's where that it needs to be in this in these parameters right here, in this sweet spot, then you can have it fluctuate based on what yeah. your running back personnel is or if you want to feature a tight end or if you think you've got three yeah. or four receivers that can really go. You know, it's possible that he, he believes he – because I said it was a perfect confluence of events, too. You had Bijan, the best running back in the country. You had Rojo there as well. And you also brought in Brennan Marion. And I don't think that was a coincidence either because the go-go offense that he pioneered and created was a two-tailback set offense. So I think it all it – just it was his perfect timing, right? It was a perfect storm yeah. of, of circumstances. And so I don't know losing Brendan Marion, losing Bijan, losing Rojo, losing a lot of those creative influences. Is he going to just go away from it now and go, ah, you know what? Yeah, we'll use it a little bit, but – no, not gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna up. I'm not gonna yeah. up that usage to twenty percent. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna live in the range of fifteen to twenty percent with the two tailback set. So I, I just wonder in the spring game if we'll see any of it. If we won't see any of it. Then maybe he is deciding. I'm, I'm going away from it. We're going in a different direction because it. it like I said, it's been influences that's forced him to do it. Mm-hmm. He was at. He was. You know, at Atlanta. And following Shano, Shano runs more two tail two tailback sets or twenty one personnel, I should say, than anybody else because his actually is a fullback. But it's Juszczyk who is a freak kind of yeah. a hybrid fullback. But either way, uh, he was running more twenty one personnel than any team in the league. And Sark creatively, which is great, wanted to follow that, but did not want to disrupt. Uh, the entire flow of what was built because they were just coming off, you know, one of the, being one of the best offenses in the league. So he decided to his spin on the two back sets was to put a tailback in there and go two tailback sets. And then we saw it a little bit at Bama, but not a lot because at Bama they had what four first round wide receivers. So you know package. what? Yeah, exactly. So we're going to throw. So which which shows you that he is mostly influenced by the personnel, which he should be. Yeah. I like that. Um, but like I said, that's just something that I'll be watching because I think he may be moving away from it just because I said the creative influences now are are no longer there. To yeah, your point, I mean, though, hold on, Matt, real quick. To your point, though, if we do see it in the spring game, I think that tells you what he thinks about this running back group. Especially, yeah, well, especially no, it if tells you, you a lot yeah, more, yeah. Yeah, especially if you know we know we know you might not see much Jonathan Brooks and may not yep. see much Keelan Robinson. If it's that. just Savion Red, C.J. Baxter, mm-hmm. and Jaden Blue, and you see two tailback sets with those guys, then, yep. yeah, it probably tells know. you how good he feels. And yeah. it'll tell you that he's probably going to see even more of it whenever you're at, and you don't have to fill two <sighs> rosters because right now just being able to fill out two rosters is going to take away from it. And I pulled the 2020 numbers. So pre-Sark, how many times did Texas go with two running backs? Not enough. 685 snaps, mm. 694 by running backs, 1.3% of snaps had two running backs when it was you still had Bijan Rojo and Keontae, and Tom Herman only ran yeah, it Tom Herman 1%. It Tom Herman, but he actually did it in the bowl games to surprise like the opponent, and he put Jay Witt in the backfield, and I believe, oh, man, it was, it was, it was amazing. Like it, it really, I, I got the tweet, but it was an immediate explosive play. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, my the point about the two tailback sets going back all the way to Tom Herman is that Tom Herman really liked to stockpile really good running backs too. So if you're going to bring in these really good running backs, then figure out a way to deploy them yeah. and weaponize them. And two tailback sets are the best way to do it. And even Nick Saban is on the record for saying that, and I'm paraphrasing, but you can go find the audio of it, that two tailback sets are an issue. Like they're an issue because yeah. they throw off all the angles for the defense. We're not. We we basically have constructed all of our defenses now to deal with pretty much one tailback offenses. Yeah. If somebody brings in another back, it's a fullback. All right, so different responsibilities with a fullback. You bring in another tailback there, especially a tailback who is like a Bijan, who's kind of a hybrid. You can put him in a slot, mm-hmm. and he's just as effective running routes. Yeah. Oh man, that is a matchup nightmare. Mm-hmm. So nobody. And by the way, not a lot of teams because they they aren't constructed to do it. They're not prepared for it. They're just, they're just ill-prepared to deal with two tailback sets. Texas got beat by Oklahoma State 
who was running two tailback sets when they had uh, in the backfield. They had Chuba Hubbard in the mm-hmm. backfield. Justice was it? Justice Hill, Hill in the backfield. Yep. Uh, they had another guy in the backfield too. I forget. They had like three really good tailbacks. Texas went up there with Tom Herman's crew and got whipped by Corn Dog. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, uh, they, they, <laughs> no, they really did. And, I know. I know. I just. Uh, yeah. And they were, and that's what I saw. They were running a ton of two tailback sets, and I was like, man, that's why I thought Yersich, who was ironically the OC at the time for Oklahoma State, I thought he would come here, and I thought, oh, Texas is going to run a ton of two tailback sets because ironically, that's how they beat Texas, and that's probably why Tom Herman saw it. He's like, ooh, I love this guy. Who's the OC? Yersich, that guy beat us running two tailback sets. Bring him here to Texas. We're going to run two ta- a ton of two tailback sets. He brought him to Texas, and they didn't run any of no. those damn two tailback sets. And Sark came in, and Sark ran a little bit more. I think Sark just said, man, I got two. Really good running back. Remember, even in the offseason, he was hinting at it when he first got here that he's got to play Rojo more. Got to play Rojo more because he loved him some Rojo. He's like, I got to play Rojo more. We're like, well, you know, you ain't taking Dijon off the field. So you're going to play Rojo more, then you got to play more two tailback sets. Yeah. So I think he was hinting at it a while and wanted to do more of it and did study it. And my point is, why let all that research? Why let you know the the go go offense influence it? Why let studying Shanahan, the the best offensive coordinator in the league, when it comes to twenty one personnel? Why let all that go to waste now when you still got talent in the backfield? Yeah, when you're getting you're trying to get your best players onto the field, and that's why I even pulled the next year's numbers because I just talked about how that rigidity of Tom Herman's structure. When you run eleven personnel, well, we're only running eleven, and we always complained about the rigidity of having. Uh, exact role for a wide receiver, and it's the same rigidity when you have one role and it only allows you to put one running back on the field immediately with the same personnel basically the very next year you go and you bring in Sark and he runs 9.3% and then 18.7 where you at least had two running backs. So you basically go nine times the amount and then you double that in year two. Yeah, but he ran some a lot of his goal line, so two tailback sets a little different, and I don't think pro football do no, those two tailback sets. So two tailback sets actually well, a little I, lower I'm, I'm in the just, first year, and it's a little lower last year too. So it's not actually there. So it's probably closer to about six and sixteen, just yeah. a little bit. So it, it, they did yeah. a fullback. I'm not, just doing the goal line. So yeah, on I'm the saying, field, yeah, counting sure. whenever you yeah. motion. But your most explosive personnel package uh, last year and this year has been two tailback sets. Yeah. All right. Specifically, twenty or twenty-one personnel. You're you're up to close to twenty-four percent explosive play rate. Means a fifteen-plus yard pass or a ten-plus yard run when you're in two tailback sets last season. No other personnel package is even close to that. And a lot of that, yes, of course, Bijan and Rojo, but it also is because conceptually it gave you an advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying, just don't and it can give you the, but and it also is still worth having even the ones when you don't have both lined up in the backfield, but you have two running backs on the field because it's lending you more towards the positionless aspect that we've been talking about and the ability when you have a receiver or a running backs able to catch the exactly. ball and you can motion them out, but you also can engineer that mismatch if you start them out there and motion well, them back. And not only that, because you, know, and you have a corner out there you, and then it's when you present. Power personnel packages, all right, it's easy to pivot to pass principles because the defense is going to do what? Yeah, adjust. Adjust. They're going to put out a defense to deal with a power personnel package. They're like, well, we didn't want linebackers on the field. and more D linemen on the field. Less DBs, less speed. You got a running back or a tight end like JT Sanders, you go power personnel, whether it be 12 personnel or whether it be 20 or 21 personnel with more backs, more tight ends, then they have linebackers, then they're going to go more linebackers, more D linemen to supplement, and less DBs on the field, and that's all you got to do is shift at that point mm-hmm. and then pivot to pass principles. It, I mean, it, it's really simple, and you got the personnel to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why uh, Jay Witt is so, to me, he's such a pivotal piece because that's a guy you can literally start off in the backfield. I mean, you think about a personnel grouping, right, that has essentially, you can go 11 personnel, mm-hmm. right, but your, but your running back in the backfield is, is Savion Red. So your wide receivers, and you got Jay, you got Jay Witt, you got X Men, you have J T Sanders, whoever wins that other wide receiving spot, and then you can decide to go empty. Yeah. yeah. And literally, there's no way anybody can match up with you unless you're playing in a college football playoff, potentially, because they're just not going to have enough defenders that can play. And all you got to do is, based on film study, go. <laughs> 
Savion Red with that guy or Jay Witt with that guy. You can put Jay Witt and Savion Red in the same backfield and start out basing a 21 personnel package with with uh, J, with, with uh, JT Sanders out there with X Man and whoever your other wide yeah. receiver is, and then you can motion Jay Witt out and just kind of play with play with him and go. Did you, so? Did you have a safety on him or a linebacker on him? Because if you messed up and had a linebacker on him. Yeah. You win. And I'm, that's where the, the engineering yeah. those mismatches, I know this is a cross-sport parallel, but tonight you'll see the Lakers against Timberwolves. And what happened? Yep. Well, Rudy Gobert punched a teammate. He's Suspended, out. Yeah. So, like, but it actually, you don't want to say the Timberwolves are better without him, but when you talk to their coaches, hear them all talk and all the players, they talk about, well, how does it change the dynamic? He's like, well, when we have Towns at center, it actually makes them adjust to us for the first time because normally you're adjusting to them. But now when you have a small a guy that hit is one of the best three-point shooters ever, outside of Dirk, by far the best big man shooter in the world, you can't go and have a traditional big guarding him. He, he can play on the perimeter. He yeah. can do everything. So it's the same idea that you're talking about that then you can stretch them out and you have a guy way more athletic. Centers can't so ha- you can't guard those guys. All the normal centers other than Anthony Davis can't guard against them. So it's the only time yeah. the Wolves have a situation where the opponents have to adjust for them, and it's because well, who, you, your leader, your center, can't be played out there, and it puts you sort of in a box, though, when you have one yeah. of those guys. And exactly. It's just, so it's, it's the yes. same idea. And stretching out a guy is the same thing with being able to have those running backs or wide receivers that can be replaced by one another. And engine, You get to engineer the matchup you want as the offense because the defense is adjusting to your personnel. Exactly. Two-back personnel is like a badass sport coat, man. It's versatile. You do mm-hmm. so many different things with Amen, it. Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. That's, I had to go sport coat shopping. I like that. Around, That's so. nice, man. I like that. I told my wife, I'm like, Fashion. okay. I was like, she's like, you're almost 40. It's time to start wearing grown-up clothes. <laughs> I know. I got to start wearing so many hats, too. I'm getting to that <laughs> age. I, my, me and my wife had a discussion. I was like, I wear too many hats. So I went and bought two hats. It was really cool, like Austin FC hats. And then uh, I was like, man, my hat collection is nice. She's like, babe, <laughs> you're almost 45. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. I gotta start wearing so many hats. I gotta start. Kids. So I gotta like, yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna have like a kid one day. Like I don't want to be wearing hats with my kids wearing hats. You know, so I gotta you, like you have to go right. Make the old man like adjustment. Or oh, go go hard style. Yeah. Is I wearing a stylist? Like I have to go to a what, haberdashery. Yeah. I don't want to shop for my hats at a haberdashery. Yeah, that's no, that's, what I'm giving it up. That's when you get Isn't that, that the technical term for them? I don't even know. Is that, that, what, just, a, is that what a hat store is? Oh, yeah. I got to make sure I didn't say anything bad. I think it's a haberdashery. I believe that's it. Hey, that's throw that in the Google machine and see if that checks out. <laughs> but, you know, real quick, and I can bag on Tom Herman for this. I know we don't, you know, we, we talk about old Texas coaches all the time on this show because we made this point when he was a coach. Like, as much as Tom Herman loved empty formation, Oh, God. why didn't you use two backs more? And that 2020 offense. Ran 11. You realize that 2020 mm-hmm. offense, three running backs going into playing in the National Football League, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Keontae Ingram, B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, all three of those guys are going to end up playing in the National Great Football point. League. Great point. No, he had some weird tendencies. Like, remember, he was stockpiled tight ends yeah. and would never use them. We're like, why are you, like, why are you recruiting all these, signing all these tight ends? even guys like Malcolm them. Epps that yeah. are tight ends that he'd play yeah. the receivers. Remember, exactly. Remember at one point, we started thinking, oh, man, they're going to start to run these three tight They're going to go Iowa State. Yeah. It's already a triple three tight end packages with Bam Bam Sam. Nobody's gonna be in the midst of the power packages of Texas. Nope. And uh, <laughs> they didn't run any of that, so they never read I don't think they ever read anything. No, no, no as, a matter, as a matter of fact, the minute Andrew Beck walked out the door and went to the NFL, their power for me, their power success rate went to crap. It did. Yeah. It was but, garbage. So, well, then, also they became so predictable, remember? Well, you know, remember yeah. basically LSU knew mm-hmm. every time Texas was gonna run everybody Bam Bam Sam plays. Yeah. You not you it, you never got creative. Never had a chance. You never yeah. handed off the, the the jet sweep when you were running that jet That's sweep. That's why the with first play with Keontae worked so well because you're showing oh, like hard action. Everywhere. You're right. Uh, oh, I forgot he did. Oh. Uh, uh, yep. Those um, the snaps that year for those running backs, it ended up being two fifty one Bichon, two twenty nine Rojo, two oh six Keontae. But back to your point, Rod, yeah. before we talk about the defense, you look at not only the personnel they've got right now, but they're you know, with make having Savion Red make this transition, and they're bringing in Trey Wisner from DeSoto, who's still that kind of multi-purpose back. It seems like they're trying to find kind of that that slot slash tailback guy that they could put mm-hmm. in this offense, kind of like what Tom Herman used to have with that H position. I know it, they're they're trying to find that guy, so it makes all the sense in the world why you would want to do that. I mean, if you're if you're going to stockpile guys at a position and not take advantage of of what that can do for you. Man, it's like having a Ferrari and just leaving it parked in the garage with a top on. You might take it out for a spin once a week and just drive it around the block and back. Like, what are you doing? 
fun. No. That's something you want to show off. You want to showcase that. It's so crazy, man. You want to brag about it. This so you're so right. The Mensa meathead. He was he was like he was always on to something, and he would never follow it through. Like like the football meathead locker room came out. Except the H thing, it stood for hybrid. Yet he never put him in the backfield. It never was a hybrid. And he recruited the perfect hybrids. Like Devin Duvernay was the perfect guy for that. Yeah. Jake Smith. Witt was the perfect guy for that. Jake Smith. Jake, Jake Smith. Smith. Oh, man. He's like, put him in the backfield. He Can never I, would do it. Like, oh, it stands man. for hybrid, dude. Stop. What are you doing? No, you it stands were... for H. <laughs> like, like, he doesn't think. It's a meathead. No, yeah, it's for H. It's, it's H. Like, no, it's it's my H back. Well, do you know what that means? Oh, man. Yeah, you're right. He was on. And like, <laughs> even the 13 personnel, like a lot of teams are doing now. Hell, you know who runs more 13 personnel than any team in the NFL? The Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Because they love the 13th person. Blake Bell out there all the yeah. time. And I was just like, tech, Tom Perman, a lot of these things that we talk about as football theory, he was actually on to a lot of them, and he would never see them through. And you'd be like, so why did yeah. you, you bring in all these hybrid guys if you weren't going to actually use them and utilize them as hybrids? A lot of the tight ends he was obsessed with never used those guys. He was, yeah, I don't know. It seemed the f- higher he got in his football career, the later mm-hmm. into it, because even the stuff he was doing at Ohio State in the past was very ahead of its time. You're right. But oh, it yeah, devolved found- into, he- now I can get the big old players that I want, and I'm going to do it yeah, my yeah. way. Now I'm going to Granted, injuries derailed Jake Smith's career, but I've got the audio file on my phone. Oh, Let's play it and give it a whirl. Uh-oh. Is there a way to, or have you started thinking about how can you get Jake and Devin on the field at the same time? Um, why do we need to? <laughs> why do we need to? They play the same position. <laughs> That's like that Brian Harson quote you're always talking about. Yeah. What's, is that Brian Harson? Wh- Who is it? But DJ Monroe? Yeah, no, he's oh, on the right. wrong no, side no, of the was, field. It was, it was it. Greg Davis. Greg Davis. It was okay. Greg Davis. Sorry. Greg Davis. Sorry, sorry, Brian Harson. I apologize. Well, <laughs> no, no, Brian Harson. No, no, no. Reverse. Brian Harson's was the one that when we asked him why he couldn't get Marquise the ball, he's like, well, it was on the it was on the the near hash and we really needed to run that to the wide side of the book. Yes. He's an Olympic-level athlete. Yes, it doesn't matter what hash mark the damn balls on. Well, and that's, that's when one. I pointed that's out a few years later that he that also admits he wouldn't just flip the formation. He had to keep Marquise on one side of the ball. Talk about he was rigidity. only on the left. Talk about if rigidity. He's, there's always a wide side on the oh. hash marks. Just line them up on the other side. Oh, my God. When you put put yourself in a box, it really I, can that's you hold you back. When you're playing Kansas and you've great. got an Olympic-level athlete – I don't care how you get him the ball. Get it to him in space and say, he's better than all 11 guys that are going to try to tackle him. Yeah, Go he's, stop and, it. And he's smart when, enough to line up on the other side and do the mirror image. And I remember when Major Applewhite took over for that bowl game, and he told Marquise Goodwin, yeah, you asked him, I hope yep. you've been drinking some Red Bull because yeah. I'm going to you. And he, he started did. chucking it deep. And to your he's point about – No, but to your, honestly, to your point about the, 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 hybrid, the hybrid type guys in an offense, which, again, Savion Red, Trey Wisner – I hope Sark sticks with the two tailback stuff because it fits. Go back, and I I can probably pull the quote and find it, but go at back and Nick Saban after they beat Texas in the national championship game mm-hmm. when he was talking about their personnel, the two guys that scared him the most. He doesn't name names. He just he'll say no, numbers. He's, like, he's, he's like 84 and 26. 26. He's like because you, you get them the ball anywhere. They can score from anywhere on the field. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he knew the numbers. <laughs> Don't get the ball to those guys. And, and I, see, that's the crazy thing about like, see, and we we talking about this kind of stuff. We start to bring it full circle. I do hope this year to 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 evolve the passing game. They do bring back more of the empty formation. Last year they couldn't do it. I get it because your quarterback was regressing the entire season. And yeah, you, know, you don't want to start putting him in empty. Felt like he was drowning at some point. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to start putting him in empty formation like that if he's not processing really real and they're processing the game quickly and diagnosing pre snap and post snap. That's what you have to do. In yeah, and, and that's why Sam Elliott was really good toward the end of his career because he was a veteran. He had seen a lot of football and he could run. Yeah, and that basically made him that plus one with empty formation. I believe it is the most stressful situation for any defense at the highest levels of football. That's why the Eagles would do it a ton too. Yeah, yeah. when they put Jalen Hurts back there and just go empty with Devontae Smith and then AJ Brown, you're yeah. like, man, holy hell, what do I do? Do the, do the Ravens just, run much empty? Uh, the Ravens used to run a little bit of empty too. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right, because and and they don't even throw the ball efficiently, and they would run empty. Yeah. But because it's just, it's such a stress. 
press on the defense, there's no way they really can match up and defend all the grass, especially yeah. when you got a plus one in the backfield. Because if you put a, a yeah, spy on that quarterback, so you put a, plus, a, a spy on that quarterback, that means everybody's in zero coverage. Whew. Yeah, that's right. That just—it's it, scary even thinking about. I don't care what nah, team you are. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You do not have Ooh. enough defenders to go zero coverage on the back end. Yes. But that's what empty can do to you. So just—I I hope this year they the passing game is evolved enough because empty is just uh, to me it's an extreme quick game. Yeah. Right, but he cleans up the reads for the quarterback. And you're talking about JT Sanders, healthy X Men on the outside, and a Jay Witt. I mean, you're really close to having four. Four guys that can, if you find another receiver that can, and maybe A.D. Mitchell's that guy, whatever, now, John now, T. Cook's that guy. Now whatever. you're talking about the potential of one of those guys, one of your burners, whether it's A.D. Mitchell, John T. Cook, or Isaiah Nayor. You're talking about them being in a true man-to-man situation. That's exactly and, 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 and how you can take ma- your shot. Exactly, and getting back to, to Matt's point, you can, you can manufacture it. Mm-hmm. You can engineer it easily with empty. And that's why that last, that Super Bowl with uh, the Bengals and the Rams, mm-hmm. I mean, that they, they both, they were one and two in running empty in the NFL. And the, that was because they understood, oh, man, the stress that it puts on the defense is immense. And Texas last year wasn't great at it. But strangely enough, Tom Herman didn't run enough of it. But he, they were excellent at empty formation yeah. with Sam Ellinger. I believe they were averaging over 10 yards per attempt in 2020 with Sam Ellinger. I mean, it was unbelievable. The completion percentage wasn't that high, but their explosive play rate was through the roof. I mean, you're talking about an explosive play basically every four or five plays. This goes back to the, the, the scrambling and it was. I mean, a I, yeah, a lot of ago. it was Sam. Because Sam, Sam was one of the – his scramble rate was one of the highest, if not the highest in the country. Yes, exactly. And it's like Sam had no compunction about, dude, if they're going to give me the first down, I'm going to take it. Yeah, yes. And, yeah. And, and like we've Processing seen – Processing one, two, we've three, seen the, go. We've seen the Texas quarterbacks under Sark like – I, I know I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but like Casey Thompson in that TCU game in 21 when he's like, it's almost like he's hesitant, and then it's like you can see the wheels in his head just yep. saying, screw it, man, you've got 30 yards of grass in front of you, just go. Yeah. Just go. More, yeah. more than half of Sam's yards in 2020 came via the scrimmage. There you go. Exactly. It's 276 of his 503, and it's a force multiplier when you not only have the empty, but then you add on the dual threat ability, and a guy like Hudson, or a guy like uh, yours, is definitely a dual threat. He we haven't seen it much, and then he was playing injured. But it's a lot more because we even talk about Morgan how much a dual empty. threat. He's got functional mobility. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's not a dual. He's not Drew Bledsoe. Not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's got functional mobility. <laughs> but just saying that, like Drew when you're a hundred yes. rated the yes. way he was rated as a quarterback yes. recruit, he can run and he can run a he lot can. better than other ones. Agreed. And especially because of the point of empty, you can even go back to the Super Bowl prior to that. Who ran the most empty in 2020? Tampa Bay did because it also can sustain a stature you of a quarterback it and can. make you and get the ball out quickly and it negates Chris yeah. Jones and the pass rush that was coming yeah. at him in that game it's how he's been able to sustain his career because not only that then he has somebody he has a chemistry with a guy like Gronk Gronk is able and it's mm-hmm. the same thing with Kelsey exactly. being that guy and what Jatavian Sanders Jatavian Sanders and Quinn True. have a relationship back to high school that if anybody has more chemistry than what he's developing here on campus. It's that type of combo and, as a battery. And that's why the empty formation, if you can, like I said, if you, if you really can construct it the right way, getting back to match point about having that one receiver that you're trying to force feed the football to, that's why the Rams did a lot because they're trying to get the ball to Cooper Cup mm-hmm. pretty much. Uh, and that's the Bengals were the same thing. They're trying yeah, to get Chase. it to either Jamar Chase. Uh, getting you know. So I, I think a lot for Texas, and getting back to your point about uh, Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, man, if you figure out the right way and the right matchups, you can move around JT Sanders in so many different ways. Yep. Yeah. H-back, fullback, tight end, mm-hmm. inline tight end. Whoever slot. the weakness is in that's, coverage, that's, the safety, the linebacker, whoever exactly. on a week-to-week basis That's you all can Andy Reid does with Kelsey. That's why I was like, why can't they defend Kelsey? Dude, you can move him around too, but you can't defend him. Oh, There's yeah. no way. I would have to make my defense so malleable. It would basically make me, it would make me exposed everywhere else on the defense. Defense, and then you know Patrick Mahomes would just eviscerate you because he can move Kelsey around literally in five different positions. They can put him in the backfield as a fullback. They can make him an H-back. They can make him an inline tight end. Put him out in the slot. They can put him out. They can put him so many different that's spaces. Like, that's like flipping it around and saying, well, how do you, if you're an offense, how do you account for Ed Reed? You, you don't. 
Yeah, exactly. You, you same don't. thing with Derwin Dur- James. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like, same thing. No, it's a great point though. On the flip side of that, you look at you know the way the the ki- Cowboys choose Michael Parsons. Yeah, exactly. There is no way to account for guys like yeah. that when you can move them around. And so I think the empty formation. All my all of my research and the research that I've read show that sack rates actually go down in empty formation yep. because the, you have to emphasize the quick game. The, mm-hmm. the ball comes out really quickly, and even when Sark used it in twenty twenty one, I think the rates went down for him in twenty twenty two. Just because I think, like I said, your quarterback regressed. But in 2021, Texas was really good in empty formation still. Even with Casey Thompson and with Hudson Card out there, they were still averaging over 10 yards per attempt in empty formation. Because I, mean, I think a lot of those snaps were Casey snaps, and Casey went healthy. You had a veteran quarterback who knew who'd it. seen a lot and yep. played behind Sam, who he watched run empty formation and run it really well. And just and scramble. Yeah. When he exactly. didn't have it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, All right, go ahead. No, the other thing I was going to say, Rod, is when you look at the the benefits of what you're talking about, getting it back to the deep shot, and again, the passing game is, I think, something a lot of people are going to be watching mm-hmm. this weekend. Bringing it back to our conversation we had either last week or the week before, you no longer have that NA built-in advantage you had last year, where you could be in 12 personnel, and because you had Rojo or Bijan in the backfield, man, you have to just say, okay, we got to pick our poison here. What are we going to do? We're going to put an extra defender in the box. And and play you know zero coverage or cover one, or exactly. or are we just gonna get you know bludgeoned to death in the run game? You no longer have that advantage, so you got to your point. You I, I love the way you said it a minute ago. You've got to manufacture that advantage now because it's not just gonna be there. No, as I say, I I think Sarah could bring it back this year and do some damage. We actually find you one more receiver that can beat man to man consistently, yeah, and then make that defense choose. All right, who are we going who are we gonna leave on the island? J.T. Sanders, J. Witt, X-Man, or blank. Yeah. You can uh, go to work. I feel like we got a couple of minutes left, so I, we haven't talked about the defense at all. Let's get it. You know, man, Sark mentioned him again today in his press conference. He was asked about who's done the best job of getting after the quarterback. He mentioned Byron Murphy. Man, I'm as much as we talk about this offensive line being better, I'm planning on Byron Murphy wrecking at least a couple of plays in the spring game. Uh, like, Yeah. I the hype that. has been mounting with Byron Murray, and we've seen it in. in it's not hype anymore, though, right? I don't think so. We, no, he, he was really I mean, good last year. Yeah, and, and it, well, he was even good a couple of years ago. We talked about him mm-hmm. as kind of the an uh, an underrated sleeper on the defense yeah. based on the pro football focus on scores. The f- I remember that. snap basis. Yes, he was I remember that. And then I really he has kind of just you know really trended in the right direction ever since then. I don't think he's regressed at all. No, him no, and Jade really... Barron were both guys that going into yeah. last yes. year were elite yeah, on right. a personal basis, and both of them performed as well in higher volume, and yeah. that's one thing that you want to see because a lot of the time when you have a small sample, you aren't, you're like, okay, well, can he do can this extrapolate that workload? Over, yeah. And those no, two players have. Yeah, I remember, yeah, Matt, yeah, with Barron, we figured out do doing that. the show because we were looking at some Deshaun Jameson numbers and numbers for some other guys, oh, yeah. and we kept on coming back to like, man, you look at how good Jade Barron was when you break it down and look at the analytics. Like he was one of the best corners at that because he didn't play inside; he played corner. Like he was one of the best per snap corners in the Big Twelve in twenty twenty one. I'm telling you, he's going to try to make a case to be the best player in the secondary this year. Yeah, he yeah. played that well. Yeah, you think about. And, it, I mean, he ma- he's a guy that makes the instinctive plays that like he's going to be fun for uh, ner- stat nerds and then just football guys that watch film and ex players because he flashes. Well, they got to stop running that wide receiver screen on him. I, yeah. I, I don't know when they go get the screen and go on him. I I think you got to start hitting him with that early and often because that wide receiver screen they try to run that little uh, Ooh, TCU, bubble screen. TCU, you just kept trying it. Oh man, and that's today had like five and a half tackles for loss in the just TCU stop game. It. Just stupid. stop. Don't run it or. Try to figure out something. But I, I, I don't know if they're going to get him on it because, you're right, his instincts are just really good. I don't even know if he jumps it all the time, let alone he just reads sees it, it so well. It. Yeah, just reads it really well. You talk, you, play, you talk about playing with guys like that. You said Dre Bly was one of those guys. That Dre Bly's like that. You either you've got that or you, or you don't. Quandre was like that. Yeah. Quandre's got that. Nasty Nate was like that. Yeah. Real quick, I don't want to get all – we had enough NFL talk today. Was Champ Bailey like that? Because I know you spent some time with him in Denver. Champ, yeah, but Champ Bailey, he was a freakish mix, and you don't really get this. Yeah, it was right? weird, right? It is. He was a freakish mix because I always say that most of the NFL guys they kind of fall into two go- two categories. They're either just kind of freakish athletes, or they're really good athletes and they're more students of the game, mm-hmm. and they just kind of, they, they they really they were professionals. They learned the they learned the game that well. They were students of it to the point where they 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 became almost professorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their knowledge of the game, yeah. 
And I, I, I love those guys. And Dre Bly, we all talk about, he's one of those guys. Dre Bly, yeah. I don't know how he ran with Randy Moss, but he understood angles, understood deciphering route combination, down, distance, lineman. He was a football investigator. And one of the, he was like the Sherlock Holmes of football investigators, man. He was awesome. Um, but physically, I was never impressed with Jay Bly. Yeah. Really, and, and that's not an insult to him, but that just showed you that he was one of those students. But then there are the guys who are just freaks. They, they're X-Men. They are, they're, they are the advanced superhumans, you know what I mean, in my opinion. They really are. And Champ Bailey was both, which was, uh, man, yeah, I didn't come yeah. by a lot of those guys, and I imagine there were a few of those guys. Would you tell like, Ed, Reed, Ed Reed's one of those guys like that? But that's yeah. the difference between yeah. really good players. Yeah, and Jerry and, Rice, remember Jerry Rice, famously yeah. not a freak. Yeah, that's the difference though between right. really good players and first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why Jerry Rice is great because Jerry Rice famously is not a is not a freak. No, like yeah. he was Mississippi more of a, he was a geek. He just yeah, I mean he famously got the four six forty all that kind of stuff. Charles Woodson was one of those guys. Charles Woodson was that's, a, how, that's how he yeah he was a combo. He was yeah he was the guys you're talking about. It's yeah. like like Des Bryant was one of those guys that just that got by on athletic ability exactly because the athletic ability is going to go at some point. It's going to fade. How do you train? How do you Transform yourself. How do you repurpose yourself? I love it in the yeah. league. Yeah, and we saw Champ Bailey do it. We saw Rod Woodson's a guy that did it. Yeah, who was a freak athlete. Oh, he was a freak. Career. Rod Woodson was a freak. Charles athlete. Woodson did it. We're talking about yeah. secondary guys for yeah. some reason. You have to. You you really have to evolve and transform your game in the longer because the NFL will figure out too. They're it's a film league. Yeah. So they figure out what your weaknesses are, your tendencies. But yeah, you're either a freak or a geek most of the time. Champ Bailey was so both those combined. Edge, those, both. those pass rushers that played for a long time, like Bruce Smith. Kevin, yes. Green, Kevin Green exactly. played forever. Chris, you, Chris yeah. Dolman's a guy that played forever. Because yeah, you know the freakishness, it fades, but those guys are still, they still got good sack numbers late yeah. in their yeah. careers like that. J.J. Watt's kind of one of those guys, too. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he got so many injuries mounted up. He was just kind of a, he was a, he was a normal human by the time he, he left. He made himself league. into a freak, and then he had to turn he into did. a vet that sustained yeah. himself exactly. down the road. A, a, mere, a mere mortal. By he was the time a mere mortal. Amen, again. brother. Yeah. Um, anything else, Rod, you're looking for defensively? I'm interested to just see some of the guys. Defensively is where I'm looking more for individual guys. Like, yeah. I want to see Ethan Burke. I want to see Byron Murphy. Guys that we've heard about all spring. I want to see Gavin Holmes. Like, where does he line up? Is he in that star position? Is he at corner? How much of an impact does he make? I want to see Terrence Brooks. I want to see Keaton Crawford, who apparently has had a really good spring. I now, David Benda. David yes. Benda is the guy we've talked about. Th- those are the about. guys that I want to see. That the spring, they've been saying – these guys now have asserted themselves, at, like I said, these unlikely stories, Yes, especially in a transfer of poor lover of a guy in his fourth year with the team who was, hell, in the transfer of poor lover. Wasn't Binda? Did Binda no, go transfer? No, David Binda was not. Okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, David Binda, fifth year, by the way. Fifth year. Yeah. Yeah, and I know he switched positions a couple of times. Then he went running, running back, back for a minute, yeah. Um, but in this era, you don't see guys who have that type of path to being a starter. Yeah, right. and so see, I if see they if really do it. flash when you're watching, we're like, wow, that looks like a different guy out there. Yeah, yeah. So the guy, we've talked about this. We don't see a lot of those guys. That's a John Harris effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, even for a guy like Keaton, like a guy like Keaton Crawford, you know, Jalen Catalan's coming back at some point. So this was really your time. If you were going to go win this job, like make your claim, like no, I should be a starting safety. This was your time to do it, and we'll. We'll get a sample on whether he maximized that or not. Yeah, he's not going to win it. Um, let's be honest. Jalen Catalan's going to get the benefit of the doubt either way. Well, Jalen Catalan's injury history. I know. He, he you got to have an yeah, insurance policy. He can't policy. get his dauber down. Yeah, it's great to have he an insurance policy. Yeah. What I will say is that I do wonder because now everybody's high on David Bender, and I get it. All right. I hope David Bender is the real deal. But if he's not, you'd like an insurance policy uh, schematically as well. And I do wonder because PK didn't run a lot of dime defense, six DBs last year. Um, I do wonder situationally this year if you can get teams in second and long and third and long and you can figure out which one of your DBs can bang, which one of those guys you can put in the box, uh, that which one of those guys is not afraid of physicality, which one of those guys can actually run fit the best, and then you can have six DBs on the field. Oh, it's a, probably Jaron Thompson or Keaton Crawford. Exactly, honestly, right, yeah. and a lot of speed on the field, and that way you can uh, reward a Keaton Crawford and or you can run some three safety packages out mm-hmm. there with your dime package situationally, and then if David Ben is you know forces his well on the field, then obviously that's great for him. But if not, then hell man, a dime package every now and then with four D four D linemen, Jalen Ford out there, yep. and your DBs, which we all agree, your deepest right now where your DBs yeah. and your interior D line. Yeah. All right. So you want to try to put as much of that on the field as possible. 
I would like to see a dying package every. Now nah, you're not going to see it in the spring game, but I like to see a dying package. I think those DBs are deep. You got now you got you got uh, Jade Barron, you got Ryan Watts out there at the corner. I think Terrence Brooks is great, but now we're hearing about Gambit Holmes, uh, Austin safety, Jordan. Yeah, I guess safety. You got Jaron Thompson, Jalen Gilbo back in the fall. Jaylen, exactly, Jalen Catlin. Now we're hearing about Keith Crow. I'm like, damn, you telling me y'all got six, seven DBs that y'all trust? I would like to see him. Let's put them out there. Yeah, if you're trying to get the best players on the field, it only makes sense, especially yeah. in a world where you play fewer and fewer linebackers and you have a guy like Jalen Ford that doesn't need to leave the field. Yeah. So it just makes you have that ability to be malleable back there, especially if one, like you said, can be a guy that can be your little bastion, run fit, and actually perform to where you don't have a drop-off. A guy like Hill and then your two young linebackers, that actually makes you have depth in that situation when you only have to worry about playing one or two in certain packages. The, the closest rod I think they got to running a dime package last year would have been late in the year when we started to see Mo Blackwell play a little bit more. Oh, yes. They, the point, it, the, with the him hybrid. on the field, they yeah. could kick him out a little bit. It almost became mm-hmm. like a big dime. That's a good point. I like package. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. And that's another point. I forgot about Mo Blackwell. Maybe I mean, you got a Mo, Mo Blackwell, Blackwell truther. Package. Yeah. No, I, I would love a Mo Blackwell package him out there. And that's why you, you may have enough – to be a matchup base, we talk about this all the time, um, and I don't, I don't know if we see it a lot. And I'm, no, Blackwell is an example of mm-hmm. it. Uh, to be a matchup based defense, where you're so deep uh, that you're so deep on the D line, you're so deep in the secondary, depending on the matchup that week, that you can display some different personnel groupings mm-hmm. um, and different sub packages. And yeah. secondary wise, you might be getting there. You're pretty deep in the secondary. Yeah, yeah. Like I said secondary and interior D line. You're you're uh, yeah. You're doing pretty well for yourself. Any anything, I mean, if Alfred Collins does something of note on Saturday, are we going to get excited about it? Um, or do we just need to see it in the fall? Yeah, I'm at I'm at the Missouri phase. He's got to show me. Yeah, got to show me out there. I'll uh, be but excited I hope, if I see it. But, but yes, I'm, yeah, I'm, I hope so though. I, yes. I hope it works out with Alfred. He's, for the corollary, he could be a war daddy potentially. You asked me about April basketball before the same thing for his spring game. It's like, <laughs> don't be fooled by the guy that put up a triple-double in the last game of the regular season. He did that because it's the end of basketball and the, nobody else is playing. If somebody goes out and puts up a great spring game, he's like, oh, that's good for his individual pro- progression possibly. But it doesn't mean anything towards what's going to happen in the yeah, fall. Totally no disrespect if you're listening to this podcast Deshaun right now, Hills. but Deshaun Hills. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the classic example. Spring game superstars. I remember those guys. And we just got, who was the spring game superstar back in your day, Rod? Oh man, uh, that's a good question. I, I I don't really remember actually who I did because I was out by the time most of the time because I was a like, you know I was out pretty early. Yeah. I, I don't think I think my sophomore year was the only year after because I I got hurt. Matter of fact, I got hurt one spring. Maybe that was my freshman year going into my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And then my sophomore year, I was already a starter, and they was pulling guys early, and I wasn't paying any attention. I ain't gonna lie to you. This goes Done. back to how irrelevant the game yes, was. Yes. Like I, didn't, I ain't gonna lie to you. I never paid attention. I would hear it. I'm looking in the stands. Big cheer. Rod, Rod, he's thinking yeah. about that Saturday night coming up in the pretty so, much. The yeah, that, yeah. I ain't gonna lie to you. But a three year starter, I wasn't gonna lose my job in the spring game. It ain't happening. <laughs> uh, the wood, although the entire wood was probably out out of the spring game. Yeah, we point, was locked right? in by then. Yeah, the and at that point, y'all were locked into Saturday. <laughs> so, for sure. Uh, with well, when that was, it was the roles were reversed because then Norco's actually playing in the spring game. We did have some, <laughs> well, but we had some fun kind of teasing wood, some yeah. of the other guys and like joking. I, I believe Coach Aquino would ask us to coach. I do remember that sometimes. Like he was like, because he was trying to keep us engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Babies, get over here. Show me, tell yeah, me what you're saying. Tell my wife's technique was so bad, man. So yeah, every now and then I think he'd do that. But other than that, no, dude. You we, didn't Casey Hampton anybody? Did you like run no. in front of somebody? Didn't no, because it was never. I don't think anybody ever got in the, my god job was never on the line. So I was never that engaged in the spring game. I'm not gonna lie to you. I took care of my job Hinch, and I got. Why I we don't out. need to read too Getting much into it? Back to your it. point about it's not that relevant. Yeah, don't look too much into it. I still like to just picture that scenario of Rod B sitting on the bench getting a getting a shot of water and Casey Hampton looking looking for whoever yeah. lo- whoever blew the coverage on third down. Blocked out the sun. <laughs> just walked over there. Yeah. I had my head down, drinking water. I was like, "Why is that shade? What is oh?" You handled that better than I would have. Right? I'd have needed. I'd have needed a new pair of drawers. Uh, Casey, oh, Casey, trust me. I didn't. I'd never responded. I just nodded, and just just hey, I'll do whatever you say. Most underappreciated Longhorn ever. Pure Casey accountability. He, that was the only thing he ever had to say to me. After that, it was always good job, good stuff. He was tired. Well, he was tired, man. That's what happened. Well, but that it was a Casey, long. It was like eleven play drive. He didn't like that. Casey's <laughs> probably one of those guys that I only want to hear that from him one time because I don't want to know what the second time is going to be. Mm-mm. Damn yeah. right about that. 
I'm with you. Thank God. Man, that's a man. That, that's a man of few words. Uh, yeah, you're right. He was. He had a look that everybody knew. Don't yeah, mess with I'm this serious, dude. Like Casey, he when look. he went into the Hall of Honor, it was like serious. Like his his induction speech was serious. Like a minute and a half. Like it was thanked his family, thanked mm-hmm. the coaches, his teammates, and then boom, he's done. All yeah. business. Yeah. No, no, he's like John Wick, pretty much. I'm just, <laughs> ready, just, ready, just here to ready to get out of that tuxedo. <laughs> just a bad mofo. <laughs> All right, that's a, a little Casey Hampton talk is a great place to end any podcast. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. We appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Same as plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yeah, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays or maybe sometimes on Wednesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.